Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. You might be able to hear my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, I do have four Petri dishes that live with me that I take care of every day. So that's that's where I get sick. Uh, I, I don't really get sick all that often, but this year seems to be more sick than most years. Anyways, um, but that's okay. Bitcoin is feeling a little under the weather too, right? <laughs> we have been now two weeks under our all-time high. Uh, it looked like we were going to break down even further. Um, it, it's possible that the bottom is not in yet. But if you guys follow me at BTC MRKTS on Twitter, I was I was tweeting out. I don't I don't forget about you guys when I haven't done a show for that day. I try to make sure that I'm posting several things throughout the day that uh, keeps you guys informed. Well, when the futures price, the three month futures, these are the um, Bitcoin settled, you know, traditional Bitcoin futures. That's when uh, when they went under spot, at least on Bitstamp. I tweeted it out and I said, look, they're under spot now. It's probably about the bottom. That's typically a sign of reversal. And then we had one more little leg down, another uh, couple hundred bucks. <clears throat> and futures caught down to the Bitfinex price. There's been a spread of about like $800 between Bitstamp and uh, Bitfinex. Bitfinex being the lowest, I think, worldwide price almost. Um, all of the Asian exchanges are way above. They're like 14 15,000 uh, when Bifinex was down at 12,000. Uh, so the Asian exchanges are way above the, the price um, in the West. Uh, there's that, but the, the futures price did catch down to the major Western exchanges, the major USD dollar exchanges, and they went way below uh, Bitstamp, which is the one I usually use for my spot price. Anyway, so I tweeted that out, and I said, hey, this is a sign of reversal, and we did. We, we hit the bottom there, and we turned around. Now, I was listening, <clears throat> excuse me, I lurk in a lot of the different trading communities out there. Well, not a lot, but two, okay? And uh, everybody was so bullish, and they're like, look at this. We're going down to 8,800, 8,500. Some people call them 5,000. Everybody, it was a given we were going down to 10,000. And I, I, was, I listened to all this stuff, but I'm saying... That Bitcoin will not fall that low. There's too many people out there buying the dips. And then the parabolic, parabolic Trav, he's uh, kind of new to, to Bitcoin. He's only been here for several months. But now he's got 37,000 followers on Twitter. Very, very bullish. He is like um, the bullish half of the mainstream media. So, like, he's not part of the mainstream media. But, um, you know, you'll have all these bearish comments from the mainstream media, uh, mainstream financial press. And Parabolic Trav is like the exact opposite. He is uber, uber, uber bullish, um, which is pretty interesting to see how he has been a counterweight to them and become very popular very, very quickly. But anyways, uh, I, I, I'm just tepidly bullish, and I don't think that it's going to fall that far. A lot of people were saying, you know, we haven't had this capitulation where the price just falls off a cliff and we have a $2,000 wick like we did last week. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting for this. But that doesn't have to happen. I mean, Parabolic Travel was right when he said that that capitulation wick last week sucked all the sellers out. So there was nobody really left to sell. 
it's just that there wasn't very many bids and i put on my, my tweet out there i said there was just not that many people um willing to buy here at the end of the year you know christmas time coming into the end of the year here people were just instead of buying their thousand dollars that month or whatever they cost dollar average in or maybe they buy the dips they maybe put that off until the new year okay so th there was just a, a lower bid than usual but when the new year comes around it's going to be a higher bid again and the price will go up and we saw some of the interest come back in when we touched back down into the eleven thousand range we saw some more bid interest come in and now i think we've turned the corner i think that the bottom is likely in okay but we could go a little bit lower so it's very dangerous to open up a huge margin long position here but i mean it, it feels like okay there's all the sellers are basically gone. there could be one more like big push by the bears to try to get this knock this down and you know i'll you got to buy the dip you got to buy the dip and they'll run out of ammo and this will go back up again so where does that leave us let's let's talk about the prices here i did talk a little bit already i guess but so we have bitstamp 13,200 that's still about right that was a few minutes ago that makes one finny that's one ten thousandth of a bitcoin at one dollar and 32 cents and I've, I've actually seen a bip out there i think it was written by uh, jimmy song he's uh, on the world crypto network uh, on youtube and he put it i guess it proposed a change which in bitcoin we call a bitcoin improvement proposal a bip and it goes on github with all the development stuff it gets talked about you know fleshed out and then will be included into a upgrade and i think this is to like change in core in the core wallet to change the default to millibitcoins instead of bitcoins so it looks a little bit cheaper right um, millibitcoins would be one above a finny be 10 finnies uh, so that's about 13 dollars right now i think that's good a lot of people uh, i mean that has become in my little community here uh, that has become a hot topic a lot of people are worried about the denomination and of course that's why i talk about the finny every time because that's my contribution to the, to the topic. Um, I think it's a, a really good name for, for a denomination. But uh, yeah, one finny, one, uh, 10,000 Satoshis is a finny. All right, uh, Mayor Multiple. Mayor, this is from Trace Mayer. If you guys following him, uh, he is a huge whale in space. He's been around for a long time. He's one of these whales, one of these public whales in Bitcoin that hasn't gone crazy. He stayed grounded, and he, he's a great influence on space, in my opinion. He also has a podcast, the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, so you guys can check that out at bitcoin.kn. And he interviews people from around space. He also puts on his other interviews that he does around the space. He puts those on there as well. I mean, it's really good stuff. But anyway, he has this mayor multiple that has to do with the 200-day moving average. 200-day moving average now is at... 6102 and so that makes the price at a 2.1 multiple that's not very high when 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 we have the crashes it usually goes down to between one and two and i'm talking about when we have our bear cycles our bear markets in bitcoin in the past 
it gets down to 1.2 or 1 to 2. And now we're at 2.1, which is barely anything. Like, we now we have recharged. We were at 5. Now we've recharged down at 2. And we're ready to tackle this January push. Uh, a lot of this stuff, I have looked into um, this idea that we're waiting. That at the beginning of January, we're going to have all of these hedge funds launch. Okay. And I think that's possible, right? It's still possible because there's about 120 hedge funds that are in Bitcoin now, right? That started in 2017. And there's going to be another 100 or 200 that are waiting to get in. Um, maybe they're still raising money. I don't know. Maybe they're finding clients and stuff. Uh, but I could not find anything that said specifically January is the time that most of these hedge funds launch. I think the first quarter was uh, we had more hedge funds launching than the other three quarters. But there was nothing that said like they specifically wait till January. It makes sense in my head that I'm not going to start investing until January because of taxes. Okay, that makes sense because you want to be on new tax year. And the other thing I found was rebalancing usually happens about once a year. So if you're waiting till January to rebalance for tax reasons and things, then I can see maybe already established uh, hedge funds are waiting till January to put that 1% to 5% of their portfolio into Bitcoin. I can see that. That's definitely something uh, that's probably going to happen. But yeah, I, I didn't find anything that January is best. January 2nd is when all these launch. But we'll see. I've been guilty of saying that in the past. But uh, we'll see what happens on January 1st. I think there is going to be quite a bit of buying pressure. I mean, there's going to be um, Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, Christmas bonuses that people put into crypto. There's going to be, um, you know, just the regular paycheck cycle. I went and I looked at uh, one of my friends in my meetup. He, he said, hey, well, he puts certain amount in every paycheck and so i went hey that's a great idea so i went back and looked for the first and 15th of every month and there isn't really any correlation other than i did find that over the past couple years we've had um the 15th alternating 15ths have been busts or booms so we had uh, i think like september september of 17 we, we hit a bottom and we bounced up like that was the actual bottom call um, but then the 15th of october we hit a, a regional top and then the 15th of november we hit a bottom and then the 15th of december we hit that we hit our all-time high our current all-time high so there's there's this monthly wave here it's pretty interesting so that would be on january 15th we should be hitting a bottom but i don't know that's that's just circumstantial a pattern that i found and you know we are programmed to see patterns so is that true? Who knows? There was a lot of shit happening at the end of that, at the end of last year. And so that news and that, those fundamental developments that happened at the end of last year, last six months of 2017, they had a lot to do with the price. A lot of times news, I don't believe that news necessarily creates price, but we can see certain things in Bitcoin that it does happen, like the ETF no-go. That There's a lot of price action there that came directly from that. Um, when on August 1st, when Bcash split off, we saw a, that was, it split off at around $3,000, like $2,900. And the price went on a straight line, basically up after that. So 
some news does drive price, I think. But for the most part, I think news follows price. So price is going up, creates more activity around the space. More news events happen because the price is moving. But there are some fundamentals that drive the price, obviously. And those things cause price. So it's, it's a little bit of both. So the spread for the three-month futures, these are the Bitcoin futures, um, the Bitcoin settled futures, is $700 or about 5%. Now it was even and below. Now it's above. So that's a good sign that we're, we've turned the corner here. CME, one-month forward contract. So these are the January contracts, 14470 and we, they did have a 20% move after hours. So from 14470 on Friday down to the low that we got to around 11000 that was a 20% move. And if we would have opened, they if we would have opened Monday trading at that low price, I mean, they would have opened gap down, uh, circuit breaker down, limit down, which is interesting that way. Maybe... Maybe we pop it up, but the, these weekends, I think they're going to, these futures, cash settle futures are at a very big disadvantage being closed on the weekends. And and usually we saw, you know, most of the volatility during the week, maybe Friday we dip. I don't know. Uh, I actually checked that as well. That's not the case. We have Friday dips, but um, uh, I think a lot of the volatility is going to be on the weekends because they're going to try to raid these futures contracts, these cash settled futures. Just something interesting to watch going forward. All right, more metrics. Global market cap for Bitcoin, $223 billion. That's down a little bit, obviously. But the global market cap for Bitcoin, that's all the altcoins in everything together, is $588. And that's, that's $588 billion, close to an all-time high. And I've even seen these uh, some people saying, hey, if you, if you talk about all the VC money, all of the businesses that are involved in crypto, um, everything that's happened in crypto up to this point we're over a trillion now i who cares really but okay so the global market cap is 588 billion that leads to a maximalist price of hold on tight this is going to be a big one maximalist price thirty five thousand sixty five dollars thirty five thousand sixty five dollars um that is my stretch goal and these stretch goals have hit over and over again might not happen until February, March, but that stretch goal is going to hit $35,065. Average on-chain transaction value of $11,447. That is nearly a Bitcoin. Um, it was a Bitcoin a couple days ago or yesterday, whatever. Um, so, you know, there there is, these, these transactions are large. That is the average value of a transaction on-chain. Okay, uh, let's see. On-chain volume was just under $4 billion, $3.9 billion transacted on-chain Bitcoin blockchain in the last 24 hours. Okay, network stats. Let's talk about some more things here. This show is the only show out there that goes over these stats on a regular basis and keeps you updated. I hope you guys enjoy this because I know some of you do. We're growing. This show is growing pretty quickly. Patreon is growing. Thank you for every, everybody that's been joining patreon it's pretty awesome we, we actually got i put out a new tier out there for advertisers so if you want to have a plug on the show or a mention on the show um you can support the show at that corporate sponsor level and then i'll mention you i've had one person join and i had to review their project and then I'm, i'll be talking about them 
right? But I want this uber, uber transparency of who's supporting the show, what's going on with that, because I'm not, I don't want to be like a Vinnie Lingham where I'm probably getting a cut of some ICOs and I'm going to pump them, right? Or you don't know my portfolio and I'm going to pump an altcoin. I'm going to talk good about an altcoin because I own it. No, it's very transparent. I have 99.99% of my crypto in Bitcoin. I have got some Litecoin donations. And those are sitting there. I'm going to hold those for a while just because it's neat to have some Litecoin. <laughs> but I own no other altcoins. So yeah, I'm very transparent with this. I want you guys to know who's supporting the show, all these things. But uh, there, that is out there if you guys, because I've been contacted so many times about doing interviews and commercials for people. But anyway, um, okay, network stats, difficulty. 3% estimated about 15 hours away. Um, difficulty keeps going up. Even with this price drop, we're having difficulty increase. And every, remember, hash rate is a lagging indicator, according to me. <laughs> Some people say it's not, but hash rate is a lagging indicator. And we're anything positive, I, I like to see between 3 and 5%. This is perfect. 3% every two weeks, we go up. All right. What else? Very healthy. Difficulty is very healthy. Even with all this bullshit that goes on with Bcash sharing this, they're probably going to have to go to, they are going to have to go to a new difficulty algorithm. I believe. But we'll see. Jihan won't want to do that, tell you that much. Well, they'll exit eventually. You know, those guys will exit. Just like freaking Dan Larimer exits all his shit. And Vitalik, I'll talk about that in a second. Vitalik is threatening to exit his, his scam. So... Those guys will exit as well. They'll probably change the difficulty algorithm after that. All right, mempool. Uh, several different statistics here. I'm showing nine megabytes on TradeBlock. They filter. Uh, they have their filter set up to filter out those spam transactions. So they don't count them. You know, like the the very small fee transactions. So they they cut those out. On uh, Joho's site, it's at 175 megabytes. But the average or the highest fee that I saw on there was about 70 Satoshis per byte. So that's not not super high. You, we've seen 200, 300, 400 Satoshis per byte recently during the big spam attack. So 70 Satoshis per byte is not that bad. Okay, um, merged PRs. So this is like the activity that's the development activity. We have been uh, Christmas here and today I pulled these numbers. So it includes Christmas Eve. It starts on Christmas Eve, and we have this holiday week here. Um, so they've only had five merges, but they've still had five merges and 17 closed issues over that time. So it's still they're still working, even over the holidays. It's awesome. OTC volume. These are not new numbers. I'll just go quickly over these. Uh, local Bitcoins, huge, huge all-time high volume, $133 million worth of Bitcoin transacted on their, their site. And of course, that's probably low because, like I say, local bitcoins is a peer-to-peer -peer website where you find a local seller. You can even find a, a non-local seller and uh, send them, you know, a money order or something, and they they send you the bitcoin. You can use the escrow on the actual site itself. So, if I meet someone through local bitcoins, or if I would, I don't sell on there. But if if I were to meet somebody through there, and I made a sale to them a couple times in a row, I wouldn't use local bitcoins anymore. I'll just meet them every Thursday or first, um, you know, payday of the, the month or something like that. So uh, I think that that volume is is half of what they really do. 
Paxful was about 10. Ledger X was about 4. Uh, we've had, like, this has been a holiday week, so Ledger X is going to have lower volume than normal. I haven't gone back and updated those numbers in the last week, but I'm guessing with the holiday, you know, it's going to be a lot lower volume. Don't forget to check out bisque.network, B-I-S-Q.network. Also, there is um, altcoins.io, and there's there's some other uh, cool decentralized exchanges that are coming on, and that would fit right into this public OTC over-the-counter um, volume that I talk about. So this is the peer-to-peer selling. This, this selling is much more to strong hands, right? Like, why do you want to uh, buy and sell on here? Because it's a little more private. And you can uh, not tie your coins to your identity, and you're going to either use those in censorship-resistant transactions that you need censorship resistance for, or you're going to hodl them, and you don't want anybody to know that they're yours, right? So this is a fundamental driver. It's fundamental demand. It's at all-time highs. Let's get into some stories. Okay, so Ripple, guys, Ripple. I had a request, a request for Ripple rant. <laughs> so, first off, Ripple is not a cryptocurrency. There is no blockchain. Okay, there, there's no blockchain. Uh, they, they say Ledger. I got into it with one of the developers on Twitter, and he said he's working on a Ledger project. I'm like, dude, why do you keep using the term Ledger? Like, that's a buzzword. Always be closing, right? You are marketing this ledger just by tweeting. Like, aren't you working on a protocol? You're not working on a ledger. You're not programming a ledger. A ledger is an artifact of uh, transactions, right? I mean, not completely. Because you do have the block header and you have, you know, there is, even with no transactions, there's going to be a block every 10 minutes or whenever on your cryptocurrency that you have this block time. But basically, it's there as to serve as a history of transactions. Um, so why do you say ledger? Anyway, um, Ripple is 50% centralized, basically, roughly, on the, the supply. There's just a handful of, of big insiders. They also, they will gift Ripple to people to pump them. The foundation, the Ripple Labs, they'll do that. They've even been to court now with R3. They gifted like a billion ripples to R3 or something like that. And then they had to go to court to say, we're not giving them to you, to R3. I mean, right now that's a billion dollars. But it's totally centralized control of the supply in in one major big entity's hands. Um, There's control over the price. I mean, nobody's trade like for years no one was trading ripple. No one was using ripple. No one was using Ripple at all. No one, even to today, uses Ripple, okay? Um, but the price was pumped. And I suspect there's a lot of wash trading between these insiders. Most of the volume for Ripple is this just wash trading to pump the price. I've never seen any evidence to the contrary, that there's actual demand out there for Ripple. Other than the last couple of days, there's been this fever about Ripple. Uh, there's centralized control over the code, Ripple Labs. Probably this guy I was talking to on Twitter, there's probably just a handful of people that know anything about Ripple's code that's ever even fucking looked at Ripple's code. 
remember that saying that if you have enough eyes, all bugs are shallow, right? Well, Ripple has like five sets of eyes. Bitcoin has 5,000 sets of eyes. Can't trust their code. Also, they have a, a KYC AML layer, and I link to this in the show notes. There's lots of different things I've, you know, looked up about this. I link to those in my show notes. Um, first off, there was a case with dun 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 Roger Ver. So they get uh, Roger Ver purchased 250,000 ripples from the Ripple Labs back in uh, 2015, I think. And um. It's funny, first off, because, you know, every bad actor in space, you find Roger Ver's fingerprints. But um, he, so he bought this, and they didn't, they didn't fill out a suspicious activities. They didn't fill out the proper paperwork with FinCEN and the U.S. government. And so they were fined. They paid a $700,000 fine for that. And um, they also said that they would int- introduce this KYC AML layer into Ripple. Now, when I was talking to this developer on Twitter... He was saying it's not in there. So it's possible that that's not in the actual code, but Ripple institutes it as a layer two on top of Ripple. And you must use it if you're going to use Ripple. Okay? Also, you know, I linked to a couple of those things uh, to a Bitcoin Magazine article, FinCEN, the direct from FinCEN talking about it. Um, okay, now what about validators and stuff? Well, uh, Andrew uh, Tagami, he is director at Blockstream. He does something over there at Blockstream. I'm not sure exactly what, but he was talking to exchanges about Ripple, um, and they were saying that the network is backed up, and the network is slow and unreliable. He's like, how can a centralized <laughs> net- network be unreliable? Well, he was like, uh, you have to pay validators to validate your transactions. There's no like blockchain. There's, the fees don't matter because fees are burned. They're not given to the validator. So they have no incentive to validate your transactions. And if you get a lot more fee, like a lot more Ripple, it doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Ripple itself does not have any function inside of Ripple. Like there's no value that's attached to it. You can send it back and forth between people, but there's 100 billion Ripples. So you could send them a billion. It doesn't freaking matter. There's no value there. And then when you do the transactions, those are burned for the fee so the, there is no there's no utility to xrp the utility of ripple comes from these banks having their own tokens that they transact with over ripple and they send a little bit of ripple you have to send a little bit of ripple with each thing uh each transaction as a writer you know it's like the, the sub layer that's carrying all this information but then that gets burned so there's no like value to ripple it's just really weird. I mean, maybe you could say there's a scarcity value because as you burn more and more Ripple, you, you run out of Ripple, but just add more zeros, right? Like, th- there's there's no scarcity there. Anyway, so that's all I got to say about Ripple. Um, it's a big pump and dump. It's going down. Oh, no, I have some more stuff here. So what are my theories? Well, my theories here are that it's just a, it's an innocent pump. That is a theory, an innocent pump. These people have no, like, malicious intent. They're just pumping Ripple to fucking get rich. That's possible. Um, Nobody's using it. No banks are using it. (laughs) There's zero, like, actual value there to Ripple. And it could just be an innocent pump. Like, all of these altcoins, most of the time, are innocent pumps. 
but they are really attacks on Bitcoin. Or it could be a conscious attack on Bitcoin. I mean, I'm thinking if I'm a bank or a government and I'm going to be disrupted by Bitcoin, the most decentralized behemoth out there that's catching on like wildfire that captures people's imagination when they learn about Bitcoin. When they start learning about it, it's like it ignites a fire in them. And I'm freaking worried if I'm a bank or a government because I'm going to be disrupted by Bitcoin. I'm not going to be disrupted by Ripple. So I got to find other projects to pump, cast some doubt on Bitcoin, you know, maybe take over Bitcoin's number one spot, capture the imagination of people that don't, the unsuspecting, ill-informed people that don't know what's going on. So capture these pumps, capture the imagination of the pump, get, get the speculation on your side, keep the speculation away from Bitcoin. But I think that actually helps Bitcoin. I've talked about this in the past with, with altcoins. You know, a lot of the ravenous speculation now goes on in the in the altcoins. So in the past, we saw, you know, the big pumps with Bitcoin. You pump up 20x in like three weeks, seriously, and then it crashes. And then it pumps up like in three weeks, and then it crashes again. Well, that was due to this ravenous speculation. Now all that speculation happens in these altcoins. And you can see it happens in every single altcoin, including Bcash. And Bitcoin just moves forward. People accumulate, it goes up in value. It goes up in value, more people learn about it, more people buy in, more people accumulate, it goes up in value. It's, a long, it's turned into a long-term play. And I, I mean, here's an example, Adam Meister. He talks about strong hands, 2020 having. You know, have a long-term vision. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. That is beautiful. And that's what's happening to Bitcoin. All this ravenous pump and dump action used to happen on Bitcoin. Now it happens on all coins and Bitcoin just marches forward. So I think that's actually good. Um, but you can see how this these banks that have a printing press, unlimited amount of money to pump these altcoins. And these altcoins can be pumped because they're so damn illiquid. So you pump it and you push a meme of what's Bitcoin 2.0. You know, Bitcoin is my space. What's Facebook? And I got this on multiple things. I even had a tweet. I think my most popular tweet ever, at least it caught on the fastest, was I said, um, all coins are dot coms. And Bitcoin is the internet, which I think is exactly the case. They got a lot of pushback and people are talking about blockchain this and blockchain that. And Bitcoin is slow and it's going to be it's old technology already and yada, yada, yada. Well, I have a couple things for that. I'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, um, so it's a, this ripple could be a conscious attack. And um, it's just one t attack after another. Bitcoin keeps on. It's no, no issue. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. Competing with Bitcoin. These blockchains. Quote, unquote, blockchain technology is the internet. And Bitcoin is MySpace. That's what I've heard a lot. Now, Bitcoin is not competing. First off, Bitcoin is not a company. So anytime you hear people say Bitcoin is MySpace, you say Bitcoin is not a company. If nobody uses MySpace, MySpace goes away. MySpace has to make, you know, profit and revenue. Bitcoin doesn't have to do that. It's a protocol. Bitcoin is a protocol. It will never die. It can never go away. It's always going to be there. And if everybody on earth shut down Bitcoin, their Bitcoin nodes and Bitcoin quote unquote died, all it would take is one person to keep running it. And it's alive. Bitcoin cannot die. It is a protocol. It's not a company. 
I don't know why that's so hard for these guys to understand. Well, they've been brainwashed by the blockchain meme. Bitcoin competes for network effects, period. It does not compete as a company for profit and loss, revenue, whatever. Market cap is only a metric to measure network effects. It's not perfect. And we're probably going to go away from that. Because the, there was this guy, Rand, I think I talked about it in my last show, Crypto Rand, the South African CNBC guy. He um, said Bitcoin's dominance is at 42%. And now it's even lower. I think it, it broke all time low. Does not matter. I told him he's not counting one coin. That's billions of dollars. If you're counting Ripple, you better count one coin. You're not counting my ICO that I just launched, quote unquote, just launched with friends and family, $20 billion market cap. You're not counting that. What about, then I saw this uh, Morgan Rockwell, I think is his name. He's on Twitter. He's been around Bitcoin for a long, long, long time. Main big counterparty type person. And he's created a counterparty token called Bankcoin that he sold like one. And so the market cap is $294 billion. You're not counting that in the dominance index. Right? When Bitcoin was at 100%, it's because there were no altcoins. You can launch a million altcoins now. Of course, the dominance index is going to go down because there's a li there's fluff out there. So that metric makes no sense. Anyway, um, tired of hearing about Bitcoin as MySpace. Bitcoin is not a company. It's never going away. It is the most secure protocol for transacting value on the internet. It's being built... Um, the, the layering is being built right now, just like the internet itself is layered, right? Bitcoin is going to be layered. Everything is going to happen on these la uh, different uh, layer two, layer three. And it's not just lightning either. There's lots and lots of things out there that are coming. So that's how Bitcoin is going to grow. And it's competing for network effects. It's competing as a protocol, as an idea. It's not competing as a company. Compare it to TCPIP. There is one. I mean, there might be very niche uses of other protocols out there besides TCPIP, but that is 99.999% of it, of the internet. Okay, last thing I have here is Vitalik. Hey, buddy. Vitalik has come out and said he, he's threatened to leave the... Um, he's threatened to leave Ethereum. If, if people st don't stop being immature and stuff, the Lambo things going on with that. It was in a reaction to an Amir Taki tweet where Amir Taki, who I have the utmost respect for, um, he's one of these guys, you know, that I think he's going to go down in history uh, for sure as, as a great influence on the world um, and obviously through his influence on Bitcoin. But um, Amir has been having these tweets out about where Bitcoin is going wrong and, and yada, 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 all these things. Um, there, there's some confusion there. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to get at, but I think the main frustration is that we're making a ton of technical progress, but the societal progress is lacking. Okay. So he wants to have more, uh, he wants to pique people's interest in the societal issue and get people going down that road, get people based in the philosophy of Bitcoin and how that's going to change the world. So I think that'll come, that'll come in 2018. So 2017, the story was like, you know, this technological advancement with SegWit and these layer twos and lightning and stuff. Um, I think 2018 is going to be more of understanding how Bitcoin is going to affect the world. 
And that's going to come with the fungibility issue, you know, with the anonymity privacy stuff that's coming to Bitcoin. Um, that whole topic involves this impact on society, role against the governments or with the governments, against the banks and whatever. So th that's going to be the new topic in 2018. And I think Amir is just pushing this this type of uh, conversation forward. Now, so Vitalik retweeted that and said, you know, he's going to freaking leave Ethereum if people don't shape up. <laughs> I, I great ethereum's pr uh, a proof of vitalik he's setting up his exit you know all that they have is crypto kitties that crash their whole network that's not changing the world crypto why does crypto kitties need a blockchain even <sighs> they're having scaling issues casper is nowhere to be seen it's just a bunch of brainwashed javascript developers and i that's basically what I am. And so I'm not dissing on them, but I'm saying that's they're not the protocol developers. Blockchain as a meme is dying. You can't blockchain all the things. Blockchain is just a piece of a balanced system. You need to have a value token, first of all. You cannot have a blockchain without cryptocurrency. You must have a value token. You must have proof of work. You must have decentralization. And lastly, but not least, is you must have a need for government resistance, censorship resistance. If you don't have those four things, you cannot have a blockchain. A blockchain will not work for you. You might be able to sell your product, putting the word blockchain there, but it doesn't need a blockchain. Blockchains are inefficient. Inefficient. All right, that's all I have for today, guys. Thank you for all my patrons for supporting me. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin markets. That's it, guys. Peace.